I'm Jane Velez Mitchell, New York Times bestselling author and TV journalist. And this is Unchained TV's Voice America podcast. For the next hour, you will hear the solution to most of the problems that plague our world. And it's a solution mainstream media ignores, even though it only requires us to make one simple change. Want to know what it is and transform your life? Let's get started. Well, we are so excited today to have one of my heroes, Shannon Keith of Beagle Freedom Project on. She has done something absolutely extraordinary. I want to show you what she has done, and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about it. We just rescued dozens of beagles from a private pharmaceutical laboratory. A lot of them look much older. Unfortunately, it's raining, but that's okay. That brings out the smells and their little howling noses are gonna go crazy. We're so excited. So here we are, we're gonna go back now and start opening their crates. Shannon Keith, president of Beagle Freedom Project. How did you do it? <laughs> that made me emotional watching that back. You know, it's so different when you're there uh, personally and then you watch it back. It brings back all of those emotions from just the other day. Um, you know, it's very hard to release those dogs still after all these years. And sometimes uh, it takes a village and it takes people who actually really care. So it's different every single time. Um, that's why we have a special whistleblower area in our uh, websites that whistleblowers can call us. You know, when the um, Beagle Freedom Bill isn't being ad adhered to, we have a bill that um, makes it mandated for uh, California and other states to release dogs and cats when the testing is over. Um, and also the FDA Modernization Act just passed, which is in effect right now, um, that uh, doesn't require animal testing anymore for pharmaceuticals. So these dogs should be released. And we're very excited that we got all of these dogs released. Some of those, as you heard, over eight years old, who um, have spent their entire lives inside a laboratory. This was their very first time taking a step outside and you saw the tentativeness when they their little paws touched the ground. It wasn't because of the rain. It was because they just didn't really know how to walk. And you look at them, they are so gentle and kind. Beagles are chosen for experimentation, are they not, Shannon, because they are so docile and gentle. That's exactly why. And, you know, I've been doing this my whole life, as you know, Jane, because we've been doing this together, right, for so long. We've known each other forever doing this in this fight. And I thought I knew everything. That's why I went into law. I became an animal rights attorney just for this. And um, when we did our very first rescue of two beagles from a laboratory in Northern California, the woman who had helped release them, who worked in that laboratory, she was talking, talking, talking. And um, she was saying all these things that blew my mind. And so when these two beagles were finally running around and finally getting their legs and becoming dogs, she said to us, she said, you know why they use them, right? And I said, actually, no, I don't know why. I thought they just picked beagles out of the blue. She said they use them because they're so docile and forgiving. She used oh. the word forgiving that broke my heart, forgiving. And um, that's what really kills me to this day. And she said, and they're the perfect size for cages. You know, they're not too big. They're not too small. And they let you do anything to them. She said, you know, they'll hurt them. They'll, they'll put things in them, toxicity testing. They, sh they intubate them. They put poisons down their throats with no anesthesia, no relaxants, nothing. 
And then the next day they're wagging their tails, happy to see you, just happy to have any kind of interaction. They let you pick them up and do the same thing all over again. And we could learn so much from their forgiveness and their gentleness and their kindness. And yet we continue to test millions of animals, beagles, primates, uh, and, and subject them to these crazy tests. Virtually every animal has been run ad nauseum on a treadmill till they collapse. Virtually every animal has been uh, had their dog their spinal cords broken. They were breaking dogs' spinal cords to see what would happen before Christ in the BCs, and they're still doing it. Tell us, Shannon, about the FDA Modernization Act. Did it get signed into law by the President of the United States, and what will it do? Yes, and I'm so glad you brought that up, by the way, about you know all of these animals. And I, first, I want to uh, thank you for, for saying that, because even though we're called the Beagle Freedom Project, um, you know I, I named it that project because beagles are the number one breed of dog used for testing. But we don't only rescue beagles, we rescue all breeds of dogs and all animals used in testing. And so we've rescued all dogs, all cats, we've rescued alpacas, sheep, goats, horses, pigs, guinea pigs, rabbits, you name them. If we can rescue them from laboratory research, we will. And people say, well, what are they doing testing on alpacas and on goats and sheep? They do any kind of and all kind of testing that they can and they can get away with. And it doesn't matter because you can't extrapolate those results to human beings, um, but they will do it. Um, and so we've seen the worst of the worst. I mean, one pig we rescued from a laboratory, she had all kinds of tattoos all over her body from doing some kind of uh, hideous skin testing, this little baby pig, um, <clears throat> because they claim that the skin is like ours, which it's not. Um, and the FDA, sorry, the FDA Modernization Act did pass and it was signed into law and it is into effect, in, in effect. And it is amazing, and I give so much kudos to everybody involved who helped make this law pass. And um, it's bittersweet, though, I have to say. But well, what does it do exactly? What it does is, so for all these years, everyone who works in the testing industry has said to me, this is my example, well, we hate to do it. You know, the people who work in the labs, I say, you know, why are you doing this? You, you obviously, you say you love animals, why are you doing this? And they say to me, oh, you know, it's a necessary evil. We wish we didn't have to, but the FDA requires it. The FDA requires it. Well, and all of us, you know, we know that it's a bunch of, you know, what, right? It's not necessary. It's not necessary. Most drugs that come on the market um, that were tested on animals actually end up hurting and killing people. Um, and, you know, go back. We know that they actually do this testing um, to write grants so they can get money. That it actually means nothing. It's for statistical purposes um, so that they can get money for this. Um, so <clears throat> basically it was bittersweet because all of a sudden the FDA said, okay, um, you don't really have to test on animals anymore. So what the FDA Moderniza Modernization Act says is uh, pharmaceutical drug companies can choose to test or not to test anymore. It's huge. So right now, any drug company can test or not test on animals, period. So they can say, we're going to choose alternatives to testing instead of testing on animals. And it actually might save them money. So they might be financially motivated to do that. Um, I've got a caller here for you, Neela Farr from Dallas, Texas. Your question or thought for Shannon Keith, president of Beagle Freedom Project. Hi, thanks to the Beagle Freedom Project, um, you've gone into the darkest corners of the world, which, by the way, are the stealthiest spaces. And not only you've rescued, you, you've done a great work in education and legislation, um, my, my my question is, and there, there's a like a commenter said here, there's a big big money behind this. It's a twenty billion dollar industry just on the research part of it, um, the testing and the pharmaceutical testing to the side. And yes, the FDA Modernization Act gives us something to hope for. But 
um, you know, are you making a dent in this extremely, extremely cruel, brutal, massive industry? Um, do you Thank feel you. like you're making a dent? Thanks. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for that question. And uh, yes, we are. You know, there, of course, there have been times over the years where it gets very frustrating and we feel like we're not. But definitely, especially with the passage of the of the FDA Modernization Act, we definitely feel like we are making a huge impact and a huge dent uh, with our legislation as well, with the um, with our signature legislation, with um, our other legislation. We know that we are. Um, people are listening now. They're listening and they're understanding that animal testing has no place in our world right now. And we are at such like a, a place where we have alternatives for everything. And um, everyone's standing up and speaking for what they believe in. And we hope that more people do, but we are making a huge impact. We really are. People need to really though, speak up and speak with their dollar. They should use all animal-free testing ingredients, products, pharmaceuticals, everything that they can so that they speak with that dollar. We have an app called Cruelty Cutter. It's a free app. You scan any product and it tells you if that product is cruelty free. Just by doing that on you know, your shopping experiences, you're speaking volumes with your dollar and that's really important. I use it all the time and it works. I have it on my phone and you literally scan the barcode, and it says cruelty-free or not cruelty-free. Bingo. We've got another caller, uh, Sarah in Atlanta. Your question or thought for Shannon Keith, president of Beagle Freedom Project, who just got a lot of beagles out of a laboratory testing facility. Go ahead. Hi. I'm so happy Hi. to be able to call in. I actually got to meet Shannon one time at a Beagle Freedom Project event in Los Angeles. And I had a beagle, actually, a long time ago, and I didn't realize, actually, he came from a testing lab because uh, he had a tattoo in the inside of his ear, and I just looked it up in this beagle handbook. So I think a lot of people don't even know about this kind of stuff. And I wanted to ask you, actually, a question. What is going to happen with the beagles when they get adopted? Are you going to make sure that they never go in a cage again? Because I think that's really important that you have to trust the people that are going to adopt them and they don't have any kind of cage for them. Thank you. Excellent question. Shannon. Yeah. Thank you for that. Uh, 100%. We have an extremely rigid foster and adoption process. And one of them is zero crates, of course. And so, um, you know, we do interviews, we do reference checks, we do home checks and they go through an entire process with us. Some of these dogs, we learned over the years, they want a, a safe space. And so we have people create a safe space that does not include a crate, like making a little fort in between couches or something like that. Um, but they definitely will never see a crate again. And we fully understand that. We appreciate that. And I'm glad that you brought that up. Thank you. Yes. Now, I know you have a huge team. And... Uh, they're incredible people. I've adopted dogs from you, as you know. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, the most recently adopted dog definitely has Beagle, my Sunday, because she is such a beauty in terms of her serenity, uh, just getting, just so easy to get along with. Just, it, it's amazing. Uh, you know, I love all animals equally. Uh, but there is something special about beagles in terms of their uh, manner. It, it's absolutely true, Shannon. Yeah, it's very true. And I didn't even know that until I started the Beagle Freedom Project because I had never been around the beagle breed, actually. And um, when we started Beagle Freedom Project, it was at my house. And most of them actually traveled, came to my home and lived at my home until we adopted them out. And there really is something about beagles when we bring them out and they go through the rehabilitation process they're with their foster home we call it the beagle breakthrough when they finally get through that period of just really not understanding that they're free um you can see it because they're looking 
uh, through you instead of looking at you and understanding. And when they finally kind of look at you and make that connection and realize, okay, I, I'm, I'm actually a whole being and I'm free and I know that you love me and I'm safe. We call that the, the beagle breakthrough. And they're just such loving, caring beings. Wow. Well, we've got another caller and then we've got to get to some of your other amazing rescues. Huskies coming up. Michelle in Los Angeles, your question or thought for Shannon Keith of Beagle Freedom Project. Hi, thank you so much. First of all, I didn't know about the Cruelty Cutter app. I'm really excited to use that. That really will help. Um, also, it's a two-part question. The first question is, how do you facilitate these rescues at these labs? Do they just willingly give them up? And then the second question is the trauma for the beagles. Um, if they are going through trauma, is there a way uh, that they see people that can help them? Or what are the stages and steps for that? Great, thank you for those questions. Yeah, um, as to your first question, how do we facilitate the rescues? Um, you know, it's different every time. Uh, laboratories don't really want to give up these animals. Um, it's definitely a process. So what I was told when we first started Beagle Freedom Project by many people who work in laboratories is that they don't want these animals released, especially the dogs and cats, because quote unquote, they don't want people to know that animals like dogs and cats are being tested on, period. Whether we name the laboratories or not, which in the beginning we never did because we wanted to make sure that we could keep getting those dogs and cats, um, they didn't want the world to know that they were testing on dogs and cats because they wanted to keep their industry alive. So it's not easy. And that's one of the reasons why we went into legislation and we started the, our signature legislation, the Beagle Freedom Bill, to make sure that instead of killing those animals, that if they were healthy enough, of course, that they would be released, that they would be forced to release those dogs to a rescue organization like Beagle Freedom Project or any other that would be willing to take them. Um, uh, uh, like I was mentioning before, we have our whistleblower um, confidentiality line where whistleblowers can contact us who work in laboratories. And please, if you're a whistleblower and you're, and you're listening now, please contact us and we will figure out um, a way uh, that we can get these animals to safety. Um, and there, there are several other ways as well um, that we facilitate the, re the release of these animals. Um, in terms of uh, your second question, the rehabilitation, I think it was, um, you know, every animal is different, right? Just like people, we all react to things differently. We all have our own process, and we've definitely learned that over the years with these dogs. Uh, sometimes it depends on age, but sometimes it doesn't. You know, usually the younger ones, um, it's easier for them. They recover more quickly. But yesterday I learned something new. Um, sorry, on Saturday I learned something new. Uh, one of the younger ones, his name was Remy, he was the only one who wouldn't come out of his crate, and he was the youngest of all. I had to physically help him come out of his crate and literally hold him almost the entire day as he shook, he froze, and he just was so intensely scared of being out in the real world. So it really just depends. And um, we have a process, you know, a, a training process we go through with our fosters who really truly understand that um, this is something new to these dogs. We call them newborns and adult bodies. They don't understand anything. They don't understand our voice intonations. You know, we're so used to interacting with our dogs, right? And um, having those different voice intonations, using certain language. They don't get any of it. Um, and so it's really training us to work with them. Um, and it's a practice in being gentle and being kind and being patient. And they do come out of their shell. And they, when it happens, it is the most rewarding experience. Um, people say that it's the best experience of their lives. And it really does help them um, expand their circle of compassion because what happens is then they start really learning about being cruelty-free and um, caring about other animals too, other species. And eventually, I mean, so many of our supporters, our fosters and adopters too, have become vegetarians, have become vegans, have all cruelty-free products in their home as well because they don't want to participate in a world that created 
the fear um, and the anxiety in those dogs and cats that they have at home. You mentioned Remy, and we have a video clip of you at the moment that you really were holding him right after the rescue. We just completed our rescue, and we've got a gaggle of beagles inside the house. Really, really happy, but I am still holding sweet, sweet Remy. He was the one who would not come out of his crate. He's still very, very, very scared, so giving him special attention. And all the uh, beagles are going to their amazing foster homes. We've been checking them out medically, giving them baths, sitting by the fire, and just having a great day of freedom and just an amazing time. So we're spending some more time here at BFP headquarters and taking time with Remy and the others and um, catching up and we'll be updating you soon. So many dogs have trauma. The dog, for example, who I adopted, I'm going to go get her in a second and show her to you. But she was found in the rain, no chip. Um, no identification, uh, rescue groups tried to for a month see if there was anybody who might um, rescue her. And I know she has trauma because, for example, since she was found in the rain, I just found out last night she's terrified of rain because it was raining. She normally loves to go out. She sees the rain. So just like people have trauma and PTSD, animals have trauma and PTSD. Shannon, how are you going to help Remy? What is, and the Remy's of the world, what's your technique to help them get out of that, that level of PTSD? Well, the great thing is for Remy, um, he actually went to an amazing foster home uh, with two dads who have fostered and adopted from us before from our famous uh, Spanish 40 rescue. Uh, they adopted Miles from us years ago, who recently passed away. And um, I got to meet, see them again for the first time after so many years and place Remy in their arms. And they're the most loving, loving couple. And we're so very excited to, to be able to rehabilitate and have Remy. So they've gone through this before. And um, like many of our fosters and adopters, um, they've been through this or they have, you know, they know how to go through this and we're with them every step of the way. So our team is so amazing. We have a 24 seven um, hotline and text phone. Uh, so fosters can call us day and night and, and ask us questions like, you know, what do we do? Um, Jimmy is scared. You know, he won't come out of the closet. Um, he hasn't eaten in days. We are there. We're answering the phone. We're texting with them. We're giving them, them advice on what to do. We also have a private Facebook group of over 1,200 of our fosters and adopters to give each other advice and hold each other's hands. And so we're there all the time helping one another um, and we're there to get through it. Wow, so amazing. So I promised you what I would introduce you to my new rescue. And uh, if, just so you know, I have been working with Beagle Freedom Project and have adopted dogs uh, for decades from Beagle Freedom Project. And uh, my, my three dogs ultimately passed away from old age. 16 was the oldest. This is Sunday. I was telling you about her situation. She has Beagle in her for sure. And she is so, so gentle. The shelters are overflowing. There is uh, no controversy that, uh, for example, here in Los Angeles, the shelters are a mess. Uh, literally, um, it's, it's just, um, a scandal. I'll have to say that. And, uh, they're looking for a new general manager. I hope they find one soon because the situation is a crisis. So what you do also helps in terms of preventing animals from going into the shelter system. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, definitely. I'd like to mention a program that we have. Um, it's called Got a Second, meaning like got a second dog. Uh, if you go to our website on our programs, you'll see Got a Second. And um, what we do is for anybody who's willing to adopt a dog in LA County or San Bernardino County, a dog who's on the red list, um, you know, meaning that they are about to be killed um, or a dog 
in danger, um, please contact us and we will um, pull that dog for you and, and pay all the fees um, and help you with that dog and we'll transport that dog to your home. So um, please go to our website, bfp.org, um, click on God a Second, you can see our videos there. And then you can go to the websites for any of LA Animal Services, San Bernardino County um, Animal Services, and those, those are such wonderful, loving animals. And they're being killed needlessly because there's no space or for whatever reason um, that they're rescue only. Call us, call us, email us. And if you want to adopt those dogs, we will get them out for you. And I have done that and it works very smoothly. And in fact, uh, the dog is delivered to your home if need be. So um, this is absolutely extraordinary. I, I'm going to talk a little bit about the um, previous rescue, which we were also so delighted to be involved with. We're going to do that on the other side of the break. We're going to be taking a short break here on Voice America Radio, but we're going to stay live on Facebook, on Twitter, on LinkedIn, on YouTube, and everywhere else we're live uh, because we just are getting started. Stay right there. sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. Tune in to the Tony D'Urso Show with key influencers for entertaining and thought-provoking weekly discussions with some of the top stars in their fields. From business, sports, and science to entertainment, music, and literature, Tony's guests share their success and give their wisdom. If you're looking to manifest your vision and see how others have done so, be sure to listen to the Tony D'Urso Show every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. It's time to unlock some of the best-kept secrets in health, wealth, and happiness. Are you ready to live your life to the fullest and hear insider tips from today's experts? Then tune in to The Forbes Factor with celebrity TV host and inspirational icon, Forbes Riley. She's a best-selling author and TV fitness expert, and you know her from QVC and HSN. Now she brings her expert advice and guests to the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time for The Forbes Factor. We guarantee Guarantee it will be the best hour of your week. Connect with us and we'll connect with you. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is on LinkedIn. Get the first word about happenings with the network, where our next live event will be, and what's up with our hosts. Look up Voice America on LinkedIn. Welcome back to Unchained TV on Voice America Radio. I'm Jane Velez Mitchell, and you are now re-entering a portal to a transformative way of living. We are here with the amazing Shannon Keith, the president of Beagle Freedom Project. Hello, I'm Jane Velez Mitchell with Unchained TV, and we are talking about this extraordinary rescue of a lot of beagles. It just happened this weekend. We'll give you a brief look at it. And then we're going to find out what exactly brought all of this together because it's not easy to get laboratories to agree to release their beagles that they've tattooed and they've tested on. We just rescued dozens of beagles from a private pharmaceutical laboratory. A lot of them look much older. Unfortunately, it's raining, but that's okay. That brings out the smells and their little hound noses are gonna go crazy. We're so excited. So here we are, we're gonna go back now and start opening their crates.
good. Yeah. Welcome to freedom. Good work. All right. And for those listening, that music was how long it took for these beagles to get the courage to come out of their cage for the first time and touch grass for the first time. Absolutely extraordinary work by Shannon Keith. Wow, uh, we've got a caller, but first let me ask you, Shannon, uh, what's next for these beagles? Have they all been put into um, foster homes? And then how do you determine who's going to be the, the parent family forever? Yeah, they've all gone into foster homes. They all went into their foster homes that day. We had such an amazing day of freedom. And then we had um, vet exams that day that took place right there at our headquarters. They got baths and then they went right into the arms of, of their foster homes. And um, really, it just depends. You know, usually our foster fail rate is pretty high. <laughs> our fosters typically fall in love with them pretty pretty fast and pretty easily. So we'll see. Um, usually what we do is um, our process is they have to go into foster homes first. And that's because we want to be there every step of the way for them. And um, we want to wait for their personalities to come out because these poor dogs, they don't know who they are yet. You know, they're scared of the new world. Um, they don't know what's happening. They need to be rehabilitated. And we need to wait for their personalities to come through. And so once they've... Um, processed everything, they've had their beagle breakthrough, then um, then their personalities come out. Then we know who they really are. And then we can match them with their perfect family. And uh, whether that means they love other dogs, they don't love other dogs, um, uh, then we really know. And so it'll take some time and it's different for each and every dog. Wow, okay, we've got a caller, uh, Lindsay in Tarzana. Your question or thought for Shannon Keith of Beagle Freedom Project. By the way, visit BFP.org to get involved. Wow. Well, I certainly will do that. It's really touching um, to watch the footage that I just saw of the Beagles getting their freedom. But my question is a little bit off center in that you guys were talking a little while earlier about the shelters and the tragedy of so many animals being euthanized. There are, um, you know, it's ironic because there are other parts of the country where there are, aren't any uh, dogs. And I know there are programs to ship them out of the area um, as one solution. And another solution for the problem in the shelter that I've heard of is having the foster system be really the main system where the dogs from the shelter that go into the shelters go into foster and resources are put there as opposed to trying to rehabilitate the whole system. And I was wondering what your thoughts are on that. Good question. Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, I, I definitely am familiar with um, some groups here that transport, especially certain breeds, to other areas in the United States that don't have those breeds. I know that especially here in Los Angeles, you go to the shelters and you see, well, you've always seen for years now, chihuahuas, pit bulls. Now huskies um, being overwhelmed in the system, and so I think that's a great idea. Um, definitely, we need people who listen. As Jane was saying earlier, uh, we need a new general manager. Um, general managers, plural, I guess, for different areas. And so, um, having a foster-based system would be really amazing, and I would be all for that. I think um, it's a matter of bringing forth legislation and getting different groups involved. I know that's something that we would definitely support. Well. Uh, what's so amazing about this is that this this huge beagle rescue comes on the heels of a husky rescue that uh, Beagle Freedom Project just pulled off just the other day. And uh, I was actually a little surprised to get a call from you so quickly, given that you just had this other amazing, amazing rescue. Let's take a quick look at that, and then we'll discuss on the other side. Hey, I'm Shannon Keith of Beagle Freedom Project, and we're so excited to be here. We just did a huge rescue of, of huskies, husky adults, and puppies, and Keyshawn and Shiba Inus from a puppy mill in Colorado. And we got a call from this breeder 
they wanted us to help them with just a couple of huskies and we said no listen if we're gonna help you at all we want you to close down and we convinced them to close down completely this is a USDA licensed class A breeder and we got them to completely shut down so here we are we drove all the way back from Colorado we have 20 dogs in our possession who are now free we already got them spayed and neutered but <laughs> before we took off we drove 17 hours back here and they're now loving life they're free and we are not going to clog the shelter system now with any more of these babies nobody needs to buy dogs there are purebreds here right now baby huskies adult huskies purebred kishon shih tzus i mean people you can get these dogs in the shelters and from rescues please adopt don't shop amazing work again and you know, what really kills me is that breeders licenses are still being given out. For example, I know here in California, uh, by various um, shelters, municipalities, et cetera, uh, we, we've got to stop that. I mean, we, this is, for example, here in Los Angeles, and it's just completely overrun with dogs and cats while people are out there breeding animals for profit. Imagine the mentality of somebody who is a breeding, breeding dogs and selling them for profit. Right outside a shelter here, I saw a sign that says, you know, uh, oh, purebreds, give us a call. We are breeding them. It's like this is happening in Los Angeles. It's happening everywhere. It's an outrage. That's, that's what's got to stop. Yeah, it has to be banned, period. Um, you know, when this specific breeder uh, contacted us. They contacted us because we send letters out every year to USDA class B and class A dealers, as well as laboratories saying, give us a call, work with us, give us your animals, let's work to close you down. They actually contacted us, which was kind of surprising, but they only wanted us um, to help them take a couple of dogs they couldn't sell, uh, which happens quite often. Um, but I was doing a lot of research on um, different breeders and how to get a class A license uh, to be a breeder. And it takes nothing. It actually takes nothing. You don't even get inspected. So I could sit here after we get off this call and it would take me about 20 minutes to fill out the paperwork. And I could actually become a class A USDA licensed breeder right now in my home. That's disgusting. I mean, you know, uh, it, it, first of all, this whole idea of, oh, uh, dogs with papers. That's another thing that blows my mind. Dogs with papers, like, like somehow those dogs are better. It's true that dogs who come from breeders are often inbred and they are more prone to having disease and illness. And that's why a lot of them end up in the shelters. They get purebreds and people get them on a whim. They get them because they're in a hit movie. Remember, we went through this with 21 Dalmatians. Uh, we went th th through this with uh, movies that star chihuahuas, where all of a sudden there's a whole slew of chihuahuas that are being bred, and then people get them on a whim, and then they dump them at the shelter. Um, when are we going to evolve? Because at the heart of this problem is pet overpopulation, due to breeding and to lack of spay and neuter? Something's got to give. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting with these huskies who we have, it's just what you said. Um, you know, they come from a breeder, and yet these very young, three, four-month-old babies we have, they are so scared of people. They're, we're working with them to be not scared. Yet these are the types of dogs that people spend three, $4,000 on, and they're scared. Um, same thing with the beagles, even the beagle puppies, you know, who we get from, from laboratories, they're scared and people spend thousands of dollars buying beagles from breeders. It, and like you said, they also have health problems because they're inbred. It is baffling to the mind that people still do this. And so much education is out there. Some people ask me still, like, how do people not know that animal testing still exists when there's so much information out there. And I think along with <clears throat> the breeding and with animal testing, it's that there's a lot of money on that side and a lot of secrecy and there's a lot of um, bureaucracy. There, 
there's a way to keep this secretive. And so like what you're doing, Jane, you know, we need you out there everywhere, which is what you're doing and why you're so awesome, because we need that information out there. And we need people to know that this is wrong, that you can get your purebred, but why do you want your purebred? You know, like we need to change people's mentality. It's really just a shift in mentality. And kind of what I was saying before with um, people who have fostered and adopted our beagles from laboratories, they might have started out as a, a beagle lover and that's why they wanted to adopt, but their entire mindset has changed now because they learned about beagles and testing and now they're like activists. So it's got to start somewhere, but the entire mentality of people has to change. And that's a slow process. I want to ask you exactly how you convinced the private contract testing laboratory to release the animals that we are looking, who we are looking at right now. How did you do it? So that's something that I can't really talk about, unfortunately, but um, let's just say that in general, in certain facilities, there are people who work in facilities who care in their own way about releasing animals. And so I know it sounds strange to hear, like how can they care about those animals? Uh, but believe me, there are thousands of facilities where they just kill them. And so these dogs are lucky because there are some people in this facility who do care about them and who fight to get them released. And so um, that's sort of how it went down. Well, let me say this. Uh, I know from personal experience talking to veterinarians that one of the big problems is that veterinarians, people go into vet school because they love animals and all of a sudden they find themselves funneled to laboratory testing facilities. They find themselves funneled to factory farming and to all other areas of exploitation because they need a job and that's where some of the jobs are. And uh, this is a crisis within the veterinary community to the point where there's an organization called Our Honor uh, that I've had the honor of working with uh, that is trying to mobilize veterinarians who love animals to come together and stand up because some of the big associations have been sort of co-opted by the animal exploitation industries. So you can imagine these vets who are in there saying, gosh, I got into this because I love animals and now I'm prepping an animal to be experimented on. And that's exactly what happens, is it not, Shannon? Yeah, that's exactly what happens. You're 100% right. And I'm really glad that you brought that up because that brings me to something. And for anybody who's listening, I hope that you'll contact me or contact BFP and it'll get to me. Um, we passed an amazing piece of legislation a couple of years ago. We call it Lenin's Law. We named it after a greyhound who we rescued from this facility called Hemopet in Garden Grove, California. It took us three years to pass this piece of legislation. California is the only, or kind of was, the only state in the United States that required um, closed colony blood be taken. And what that means is that it required that all of these dogs be kept in laboratory cages to take their blood for other dogs who needed like blood transfusions or blood. Every other state in the nation allows volunteer blood banking, meaning that people can take in their dogs um, to have their blood voluntarily taken, just like how we voluntarily give blood for other people who need blood. But for some reason, and no one could figure this out, um, uh, and obviously it's something that's very political and underhanded, um, this law got passed where dogs need to be kept as slaves. And these are greyhounds who are already... Uh, used uh, as track slaves, then sold this place called Hemopet, then kept as slaves at Hemopet for their blood. Um, and so this bill would abolish the need or the requirement, I'm sorry, to keep them as slaves and change to a voluntary system like every other state. Um, so we finally got it passed. Um, however, it's a three-year phase out. And so what that phase out says is that we need to prove within three years that our voluntary system of blood 
would equal or exceed the amount of blood from Hemopet. So for anybody listening who has a voluntary blood bank, all the veterinarians in California, um, please contact us, contact me, Shannon at BFP.org, because we need to come forward soon and show that that blood does equal or exceed it so that we can make sure that Hemopet is shut down. Um, because I do know um, that they are fudging numbers, that they're going to do everything that they can so that they stay in business. Well, I, I have to say legally, I can't independently confirm what you the last thing you just said, and we invite that company on anytime to respond. Uh, but uh, I certainly do hope that we get veterinarians who uh, can participate in this to contact a Beagle Freedom Project. And uh, let me put up where Beagle Freedom Project is. It's very simple. It's the easiest website in the world to remember, bfp.org. Go to bfp.org and get involved. And if you are a veterinarian and you're concerned with how your industry, because it is an industry, it's a multi-billion dollar industry is going and you got into it because you love animals and now you're like in a quandary, contact Shannon Keith at bfp.org. And you can also join Our Honor, which is an incredible organization run uh, by a veterinarian, Crystal Heath. And I could just show you a, a photo of her because we shared a booth at a, a conference. There she is. She works around the clock uh, trying to stop things like mass depopulation of animals, which now is killing millions and millions of animals due to the avian flu in a very, very cruel manner. And also uh, killed many, many uh, huge numbers of pigs during the worst of the COVID pandemic because of the supply chain disruptions in a very cruel manner. And you would think that vet all veterinarians and all veterinarian associations would stand up against um, a uh, the depopulation system that is a mass killing of a very cruel, cruel method. But no, uh, because follow the money in our society. That's the bottom line. Uh, would you agree, uh, Shannon, that most of the issues come down to uh, money? Because that's why I have hope that the FDA Modernization Act might really cause a seismic shift. Because at the end of the day, the pharmaceutical companies don't want to have to test on animals if they don't have to. It's expensive to do so. But there's the other side. There's uh, the vivisectors within the agencies of government. We know that there's tons of vivisectors at the National Institutes of Health, at the FDA, et cetera, et cetera. And they're connected to these massive industries like the laboratory animal breeding industry. 100%, I 100% agree with you. It's all about money at the end of the day. Now we know that they would save a lot of money. They wouldn't have to take care of animals or do any of that stuff. In fact, I even got a declaration um, from somebody who works at a laboratory who we work intimately with who said that they would save so much money. Um, and this is when we were trying to pass just our signature legislation who said that you know they would save a lot of money if, if they could just adopt all the animals to us rather than kill them. <laughs> so they'd save money on, on euthanol. Um, at the end of the day, yes, this would save a ton of money and they should see it that way. And also, I mean, forget, you know, the ethical end of things, obviously, is where we stand, too. But scientifically, it's so much safer and better for people. That's what people need to see. And that's what they need to see. So uh, I think we are making a huge shift. We're making a huge impact. And of course, our liberations of vehicles um, help people to connect and see this really does need to end. So as we wrap up, we only have two minutes left. What's what's the future hold? We just passed into law. We, <laughs> you, but Everyone. the FDA Modernization Act just got passed into law. It's a huge victory. And I was very happy to see, you know, a lot of organizations come together uh, to make that happen. Um, but certainly Beagle Freedom Project on the front lines there. Um, how soon before we start seeing the numbers? Because usually these pharmaceutical companies, they look, well, what's that company doing? What's Oh, well, they're not doing it anymore. We don't have to do it anymore. That's kind of how it works. Can you give us a sense of in the last minute what we are going to see in the next year or two in terms of animal testing? 
We're going to see some numbers very soon. So right now it's a matter of follow-up and enforcement. So uh, we're working with some great organizations and with Tammy Drake, who's heading all of this up, um, with some follow-up legislation and some great ways to actually enforce this. And so hopefully in the next year or so, we're actually going to really start seeing the changes being made. Because as we all know, um, legislation is only as good as the enforcement, right? And so um, hopefully very, very soon, we're going to start actually seeing the numbers get reduced, animals being saved, and really great changes being made for people and animals alike. Well, I, I just am in awe. I know that you go for days sometimes without sleeping. Not only do you get to Colorado, rescue all these animals, somehow get them all spayed and neutered and then get them back, issue news releases, get celebrities involved, um, get all your volunteer team there. I honestly don't know how you do it. I see it in action. It's absolutely extraordinary. Everybody, get, go to BeagleFreedomProject.org, BFP.org, and get involved. And, you know, I'd also like to say on a personal level, please download Unchained TV. We are a nonprofit. I take no salary. I am doing this for one reason. We have to let the 8 billion people out there know that what we're doing to animals is killing us with heart disease and cancer. It's killing our planet, contributing to climate change, uh, habitat destruction, wildlife extinction, a human world hunger, human disease. We can live in a peaceful, abundant world. Join our team. Thank you, Shannon <laughs> Keith. See you next time here on Unchained TV. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you'll join Jane Velez Mitchell for the next edition of her program next Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Meanwhile, have a peaceful week. Thank you.